Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today we're going to talk about how God answers prayers. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm Richard and I'm sat here with Weston. That's me. Awkward yeah. pause. Awkward pause, Weston. Awkward nice to be with you Weston. guys. Yep. Nice to be with you guys, everybody. And we were actually we were gonna have Shelby join us, but she didn't want to. <laughs> so I, I guess she had better things to do or something. Yeah, I don't know. So I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah. But we we're continuing uh, part of the conversation. Uh, that we kind of opened, I feel, well, I'd say a can of worms. Yeah. Sometimes we feel like it's a can of worms. It's a can of good stuff, good things. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Shelby's got a really interesting, like personal story of disability and yeah. wrestling with prayer and unanswered prayer and healing and lots yeah. of stuff. Um, and yeah, she couldn't join us. Um, but heads up, next week we recorded a conversation with Shelby in the past and we'll release that next week. So we'll get like another perspective on this um, from Shelby, which will be really good. But yeah, you're stuck with me and Weston. They're not quite as good. Not quite as good, but we're going to sure try. We, yeah. So, <laughs> so Weston, why does God not answer all of our prayers how we expect? Oh, man. And I'll so, just sit back, eat my chocolate, okay, and, uh, and, and hit and stop just, in 45 minutes, right, and that'd yeah, be good. We're, yeah. about, we're about done. No, I, I love the question. Um, it's definitely a tension that we sat in. First of all, if you were not able to listen to, or you're not at the uh, at church on Sunday or listen to the teaching, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that, because what we're going to talk about in this next few minutes is kind of going to build a little bit on that, um, on that passage in Acts, talking about the now and the not yet parts of the kingdom of God. And... I don't know. I guess I just want to meander a little bit because when you think about unanswered prayer, well, honestly, like in all awkwardness and reality, the thing that comes to my mind when this question comes is that Garth Brooks song. Richard, are you familiar with Garth Brooks? That sounds like country music. It is. Well done. You like country music? So, yeah, I don't even want to hear this. No, it's on principle. It's so good. Garth Brooks, he says this some of God's greatest <laughs> gifts. Are unanswered prayers. Yeah. So that's the line that Garth okay. Brooks gives in a song. Now, don't look up Garth Brooks for his theology because it's not there, but that one line sticks with me and there's actually some accuracy to it it's a little bit, if you could look at it that way, because not all answered prayer, and I guess I just say it this way, um, what we think is unanswered prayer, and sometimes what we define as unanswered prayer is actually not. And I think that uh, it's really important to recognize that just because God seems silent on the issue. That does not mean that he is silent. It does not mean that he doesn't care. And it does not yeah. mean that he is not actively participating in the pain with you. Or, or even sometimes God might be silent. Yeah. But that might be how God wants to interact with your prayer. Right. And right that's now, what I mean. Or your situation right now. Right. Yeah. It might be that he's yeah. wanting to be silent. And, and you and I are talking about this the other day, Richard, where it's like, what if, you know, what if I come into your house and I'm sitting here just broken up over something and I'm just weeping over this thing? Are you going to right now in that moment of my pain say, well, it's because you did this, this and this, yeah. or all you have to do is now just do steps one, two, three, and four. I mean, that doesn't work with our wives mm-hmm. <laughs> Like when it's like, oh, I know how to f- fix this problem. I can solve it for you. And so for us to instantly interject with our own thoughts and opinions and ways to fix it in the middle of that brokenness, that's probably not the best way for you to actually sit in my pain yeah. and my grief. And so we know that like in our interpersonal dynamics we have space for not let's resolve this problem as quickly and efficiently as possible right Right. but as a culture we're quite obsessed with that as an approach to life and so yeah you're right it's interesting it's really easy for us to carry that expectation into our prayer life um and and i guess that's that's like the definition of what counts as an unanswered prayer would be well what were your expectations yeah. You know, because that's going to frame yeah. what would count for you as an answer. Yeah. And this is like, I always like a go to when I pray for people. I mean, we talked about healing. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good specific example because we do pray with an expectation 
that scripture sets for us, like God can heal, God yeah. can do stuff. Yeah. But I love to say to people like, well, you know, Jesus can heal people. Mm-hmm. And so let's ask Jesus to heal you. And if he doesn't, like it might be we need to persevere in praying mm-hmm. um, and keep praying and pray some more like mm-hmm. and keep showing up. We'll keep doing that. It might be that like, God doesn't want to do it or doesn't want to do it right now. Yeah. And if that's the case, don't be bummed and just be like, well, I'll stop praying. Because the example I go to is like Paul prayed three times for his sickness to be taken away. But God was able to say, here's the reason I'm not doing what you expected. Mm-hmm. So the way he prayed included, well, God, I'm going to ask for this, but I also want to talk to you about this. Yeah, And I think that's a really interesting kind of posture in prayer to take where like our petitions, it's not like, um, oh, you know, I'm going to pray. So I've got my list of 10 petitions. You know, I'm going to pray for this, pray for this person, pray for this going on. And then like I've done my list, boom, I've prayed for the day. But actually, like, yeah, really important to do the petitioning. Like, God, I really, could you do this? But also to make that space to, like, so God, what's going on with this? Like, is there anything you want to show me about this? Is yeah. that, and I, I just find that's a really interesting thing, like Paul must have had going on in his prayer life. Yeah. But it's different to a, something that's a close cousin of that, which is like, well, let's just pray like God's will be done. Oh. So yeah. that so that then, oh, you know, God doesn't want to, whatever, like whatever happens could be God's will. So well, when you pray, anything can count as an answered prayer. Right. Well, that actually has a lot to do with your theology. And if you believe that um, whatever God, you believe, if you believe that the will of God is whatever is happening. So like it's the idea that, that essentially God is a puppet master and everything that lays out and everything that happens is, well, it happened for a reason. And I believe that that's a true theology for a lot of people. And I actually grew up with a lot of that same belief of like anything that happens is because God allowed it. Yeah. So our response to like, oh, this person's not healed or they've got an enduring disability or right. they're right. not getting better from cancer or things right. like that is like that must be God's like intended design right. for this person or something uh, an untimely death yeah. a major accident it can all be it seems sometimes that there's a thir- certain theology or way of thinking that says that's all because god's kind of nodding his head saying i know it's hard but it'll be okay and that's like, yeah it'll be worth or it. like that romans like all things work together for the good for those oh. that love god and according according to his purposes one of the most ripped out of context passages okay. in the yeah. scripture so we should yeah so it's just one that like you and i have both heard people say that yeah and it's a way of sort of telling a narrative over something internally and in our culture we'd be like wanting to point out and say yeah. that's bad that's painful i protest right. against that right. and i actually tell a different narrative of like no yeah if god's allowing it it must actually i must be wrong it must actually be a good thing right and i'm just i i there's something i don't know like i'm missing something right but how many times in scripture when you look at um this is kind of a wild thing as you start going through from the old testament all the way through the new testament how many times does it seem like god even overtly says this or explicitly says this or it, or it seems to happen where he changes his mind about something be based mm-hmm. on a prayer based on i mean you even talk about there's so many examples i mean the one i'm thinking about is when was it elijah that prayed and then it didn't and it didn't rain mm-hmm. and then he prayed again and it started raining again mm-hmm. things that were just in the nor- order of life god starts and stops based on the prayer of somebody yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's one example, but there's so many where God, um, has softened his heart or he changed his mind towards something anyway. Yeah. But, it, and that's the thing It's like that this is not a way that God consistently interacts with the situation. Right. So you've got like the man who had the withered hand right. and everyone was like, Hey, did he sin? Did his parents sin? And right. Jesus was like, no, actually God has a purpose. Like God, right. you know, is right. going to do something here and quite how we interpret God has a purpose there really interesting yeah, side conversation they're, they're on both sides right? of the extreme but it's in some way like yeah god's doing something for the good here right like, okay that that so it can be true but you've also got situations where like jesus rocks up lazarus is dead everyone's in tears and jesus doesn't shut the situation down and be like guys all things work together for the good like this is actually a good no he weeps with them right even though he knew it in his in his from the spirit that he was going to yeah. raise him from the dead, he knew what he was going to do. He yeah. sat in the moment of pain and tension, 
and wept with them, yeah. which cut back to that first question of why is it sometimes that when we pray, it seems like God is silent on the matter. Yeah. What if, what if he's weeping with in, yeah. the, in the moment? He's weeping. And, with and you and I talked weeping. about this. I think you alluded to it a moment ago, uh-huh. like the conversation we had. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but someone did some research about how it is that Christians in Rwanda who we, you know, went through horrific genocide yeah. were able to like maintain their faith when they were praying for things like their teenage daughters to be returned to them who'd been kidnapped. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And within like they had cultural space like we do a little bit for this like, oh, you're kind of sitting Shiva with me. Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. not trying to solve my pain but you're with me mm-hmm. in this pain. You, ag- mm-hmm. you acknowledge this pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of acknowledging the pain is actually not trying to resolve it straight away. Yeah. Like that actually was a powerful part of lament yeah. for people. Yeah. And, but it's something as a culture when we're not, I mean, we, you don't know because you weren't part of the conversation, but like a few weeks ago, Heather and I were talking about this. Yeah. We're like, as a culture, we're not good at dealing with grief Mm-mm. and things like this Mm-mm. and, and lament. But and sometimes then because we're not good with dealing with grief, sometimes we then point out, well, then God must be have a bigger plan. And so that's kind of we seal it into that yeah. instead of actually recognizing that it's OK to sit in the pain. Yeah. And it's OK. Like like we live what we talked what I talked about on Sunday was this now and not yet. It's the part of, of the kingdom of God that's right now and a part of the kingdom of God that's not yet. And in the right now, we see moments of amazing beauty and, and shalom and peace and healing and people being restored and relationships being restored. But in the not yet, we see all the opposite. We see the brokenness and we see the pain and we see the hurting. Now, is it because God is saying, hey, just hang on a second. It's okay. You just have to walk through that. I know it's hard, but it's for your own good. Or is there an active movement to expand the kingdom of God in the world to bring his peace and his righteousness? And it's like this, the pockets of his kingdom are trying to expand. And our call as as image bearers, as empowered witnesses, is to step into that dark places, into the brokenness, into the into the not yet part and expand his kingdom and to b- bring peace and to be yeah. a part of doing that. And I think that attitude and idea of who God is, recognizing that that we get to partner with what he is doing to expand his kingdom into this world actually brings all sorts of peace when we sit in these moments that why God, it doesn't make sense that, and then you fill in the blank. Yeah. Like, why is there still pain? Why is there still suffering? Why is this person not healed? We have to be okay with the tension that because the kingdom of God is right now, people get healed. And because the kingdom of God is not yet, people don't. And that's a really, really difficult place yeah. to sit. And that's back to that expectations thing. Like, yeah. uh, I was actually, I was talking to Anna about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, cause she just bumped into a few people where it's like, man, like, I just don't see how you can never mind pray, but even believe in God when there's just so much evil. Right. And, and so we were talking about, you know, how to respond to that and, um, like something I like to do is ask people like, well, you know, what, what did you like? If there's a God, what did you expect? Mm-hmm. And so many people do have a very, a sort of idyllic picture of the story, which is like, well, if there's a God, God will just make it. So everything's perfect all the time. Mm. And, and this is like theologically and philosophically complicated because <laughs> yeah. what perfection actually is, is, you know, there's the, there's a complexity to that. Well, what's but, perfect for you, Richard, and what's perfect for me? Yeah, are two different stories. <laughs> and 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 well, I mean, I, like, uh, here's a good example, right? Building a marriage, building a okay. perfect marriage. Yeah. Like, is your expectation like you meet, you fall in love, and you never say a harsh word, you never have a challenge as you grow to get to know your spouse more, you just discover that every side of them is like perfect for you. Right. It's like, that's not real marriage. Like people who have that expectation end up coming to you to have a conversation about divorce right. or marriage counseling or something like that. Right. And, and actually be- like God and the world is a very similar thing. Like yeah. God wants to make like a rich world and the possibility of that has in uh, uh, where he actually involves his creatures yeah. where he's like, do you know what? You're not a bunch of pawns. We're going to have to work at this. We're going to have to build a relationship, build awareness. You're going to have to get to know me. Um, Like there is a messiness. And if our expectation is like, oh, that's the storyline, then I'm like, well, what would I expect to see? Well, if it was a marriage, I'd expect to see like 
you're going to have to work through some conflict. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have to work through some, oh, I don't really know this side of you. And all of this stuff that seems a, an interesting analog of the story of God and the world. And yeah. it's like, well, if, if actually God's doing that sort of work in creating the world, then, yeah, I, I'd expect to, to, if the world's going to be rich, like yeah. relationally rich, yeah. I'd expect to see a world that has some mess in it. And I don't, also, I, and I don't think we actually really want a world that's perfect all the time or a, or, a, or a marriage that's like always, always perfect because I know that at least for my wife and I, we've grown the most and we've grown the closest to each other. We've grown the closest to Jesus when we've gone through the valleys. Yeah. I remember one of the first times that Jenny and I, if you talked to either of us, we would point at the exact same moment where our marriage deepened significantly. Our walk with Jesus deepened significantly is when we went through the process of um, Jenny's first pregnancy as a miscarriage and that was super dark and it was really really hard um, and it was and it was like the first really major difficult thing we went through as a married couple but the beauty on the other side of the closeness that we experienced to God and the closeness we experienced to each other I I, I won't trade it and mm-hmm. I know that sounds really hard to say but it's like it was it was amazing to see that God can take the brokenness he can take the the hurting. I don't think God allowed. He didn't. He didn't say, "All right, Jenny, you're gonna have a miscarriage now." I think part of the reason Jenny had a miscarriage, I think, was because of sin and brokenness and death in the world. Yeah. But what God can do, and what makes Him God, is He takes that and He makes beauty for ashes. He takes the pain and the dark and the hurting, and He make and He can turn it into something amazing and beautiful. And it's really easy for me to sit here and say that. And I know, though, that there are stories of everybody out there, and even those of you that are listening, that are, that are deep, deep, dark pains. And you're like, yes, that's great for that, but you don't know my story. And you're right. I, I don't know your story. Um, and I know that God is at work in each of our lives. But I also know that if you think about, um, when you think about God from the point of view of, is he just sitting there nodding his head saying, I know it's hard, but you can make it? your view of him is very distant yeah. versus if you view him sitting next to you, weeping yeah. with you. I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Through the valley of the shadow yeah. of death and then the grief. And that's a very intimate, very, very real God. Yeah. And something else you said is really important is like uh, you, in while the junk's coming out, there there can be a, a goodness. But yeah. it's, it's not that God is... Um, answering your prayers or even at work in the world being like, I'm just going to put junk everywhere. Oh, right. For it's, sure. it's actually creating the kind of creation that can have relational richness in it meant there was a possibility of deep brokenness, sin, yeah. rebellion, pride, yeah. like these things. Yeah. And, um, and, and sometimes part of that now and not yet is recognizing we live in a world that's deeply shaped by the brokenness, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a consequence of the possibility of a greater good yeah. that needs working through. Yeah. But yeah. And, and so, you know, something like a miscarriage or loss of a loved one or mm-hmm. a sickness or, mm-hmm. I mean, it can even be simple things like feeling like you're being kicked when you're down, when you're like, you I've got no money or, left. Yeah. I was just going to say, or they're like, you've lost your job and then the car breaks or oh you know, like gosh. those kind of situations. Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting because we are, I, I don't know, I think it's kind of a human thing, but especially in our culture, um, we're pain averse. And we have very strong reflexes when pain comes. And we've, we've built systems into our culture to enable this in us, mm-hmm. to either do denial or escapism. Yeah. And, and so we bring that expectation to the way we pray of like, you know, God, would you get me out of this situation? And like, you know, sometimes God might want to walk you through the situation. Yeah. And, but that to us may feel like, you're letting me down because what I wanted was for the pain to just be taken away. Yeah. And, but, but, and this is the hard thing is, you know, there are a range of responses we see in scripture and just in experience. Like we were looking at Acts three, like here's a guy who's, you know, the thing that's causing the angst, the pain, the, being ostracized by his community, all of this stuff is taken away. Yeah. 
And then you've got someone like Paul, who's like the other end of the spectrum where God's not just like, oh, I'm going to take it away slowly. But God's like, actually, this is a part of your brokenness manifesting that I can actually, I can redeem it, not by taking it away, but by actually using it. Yeah. And so, and it, it's not that God was like, oh, I gave you that thorn in the flesh. Like, I'm being evil to you. I'm hurting you. Right. But God's like, how, how am I going to deal with this bit of brokenness? Like, I could take it away. But actually, the better thing for you, Paul, is that I redeem this by using it. And it's just, in our culture, we have such a strong proclivity for the please take it away. And, and understandably, I think it's just really hard for us to want you know the i actually i'll live with this you know and and uh, you know all the range of reasons that come out from people's stories like you mentioned like like the hurt of miscarriage Mm -hmm. but it it has a a corollary good in your marriage or people who are like actually i suffered deep loss and I, i i never really got any good out of it but I was yeah. able to be goodness to some other people because of it. And it's just right. such a complex interwoven equation to add yeah. up, like, is this good or bad? Yeah, and I definitely don't want to be misheard where it's like, yeah, that was hard, but good things came out of it, so then it's okay, it makes it worth it. Because I also know that that's, there, there's just so much more pain. And the thing about everybody's story and the pain of the stories that people have is that they're also unique and different that there's really not one big bandaid to put on everything. And that's what, what, that's what I don't, I would rather sit in the tension of each specific, how is God going to work in your life and how mm-hmm. is he speaking to you than to be able to say, Oh, this is why God doesn't answer prayer sometimes because yeah. it's, there's, there's really not one answer. And, and, or, or the answer is just simply because the kingdom of God is now and because the kingdom of God is not yet. Yeah. And that's that's a rough tension that we have to sit in for right now. I yeah. remember um, so I was praying with this we had a we had a worship kind of prayer night before COVID. And um, we it was with young adults and we were praying and this one one young man he came up and he said, Hey, could you pray for my back? And so I put my hand on his back and I began to pray, which I don't know. I think awesome, oftentimes too, we put prayer in this weird, like I have to say all the right magical words. Yeah. <laughs> like I got to make sure like what order do I say it in order to do? And I don't know. When I read the scripture, I say Jesus th- say things like be healed. And, you know, or like Peter looked at the man who was lame and said, walk. You yeah. know, they're just real simple. And if there are magic words, they're probably then in Aramaic. So we've all been doing it wrong in the Western <laughs> yeah, world anyway. Right. So, so anyway, so I, I put my hand on this guy's back and I just said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I felt under my fingers on his back, I felt his spine, spine begin to move. And I was kind of just like shocked and blown away. Like, Oh my goodness. Like, I think God's doing something, but I didn't know what to do. So I just kept praying more words. <laughs> so I didn't know. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. That's amazing. And, and so then I, I texted him or I talked to him after afterwards. And I was just like, how are you doing? He's like, it's, it's amazing. He's like, I've got no more pain in my back. Next day I text him, how are you doing today? He's like, first day for as long as I can remember, you know, no pain in my back. And then I ran into him like three weeks later. I'm like, how are you doing? He's like, oh, the pain's back. Mm. And I don't know why that is. Those are the things that kind of mystify me. I, I don't, I can't give an answer for that. Yeah. But what I have been convicted by is that sometimes, sometimes I actually limit the Holy Spirit's work. And what I mean by that is, or maybe I should say it this way. Um, what I have been convicted by is that I, I, I tend to filter sometimes, I guess. The, I, I filter the opportunity to give the Holy Spirit space to work. I, I don't know if that's even making... Actually, this is the way to say it. I don't know why God moves in healing um, sometimes and other times are silent. But what I do know is this. God has been convicting me lately to stop being the filter for giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work. Yeah. Um, I, I just remember years ago, um, uh, we were at this church, this church gathering, and there was this man in the wheelchair and another guy whom I'd never seen before. He came up to me and said, hey, let's, let's right now, let's pray that this guy gets healed out of the wheelchair. And I, I just kind of hesitated. Like, I don't know. It was a weird moment where where I looked at the man in the wheelchair and I don't know if in my own, what it was, I don't know what it was, but I just kind of felt myself hesitate a little bit like, Oh, well that's almost too big of a thing to pray for. Mm. 
And here's, here's, here's what I don't know. I don't know whether or not if we would have prayed for the man and something else happened, something else came up and the, and the situation moved. So it wasn't like I looked at the guy and said, no, I'm not going to pray for him. It was like one of those moments, things were moving pretty fast. But I've thought back to that moment often. And I don't know whether or not that man would have been healed out of the wheelchair if I'd have prayed for him or not. What I do know is I missed an opportunity to pray for him. And I think that while God may or may not answer every prayer like we want him to or like we think he's going to do, um, I think we have to be, one, okay with that, and also, two, be a little more bold in the way that we step forward in prayer. And I say all this with tons of hesitation because I know that for every for every time that we pray for somebody to be healed and see that they're healed, there's a time when other people are not. And there's just, I just have to recognize the pain and the tension in that. But for us as empowered witnesses, as, as Jesus filled, as the Holy Spirit filled Jesus followers, like maybe there's more opportunity than we realize um, that God's wanting to use us to pray over people, to, to pray his healing and his peace and his, um, for his hand to work in a way that it, maybe if our eyes were opened a little more, we might see a little more about what he's calling us to do. Anyway, those are yeah. the things that I've been convicted personally it's, of. It's interesting because it's um, uh, the the expectations we have around these kind of questions will probably either lead us to radically praying more mm-hmm. or praying less, yeah. right? So I don't know if anyone's ever been on a journey like this where like, you prayed for healing and healing didn't occur. So, you know, you were a bit bummed, a bit discouraged um, because you had a narrative of like expecting a certain thing. Mm-hmm. So then you prayed a bit less, you know. Um, next time you prayed, like God heal this person or like help them learn to cope with the pain. Right. Or for you know. emotional healing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like, and then, you know, three months later, you find yourself praying like, oh God, I just pray for this person that you'd have your way. Yeah. You know, and, you know, like Jesus invites radical, like if you ask for anything in my name. Yeah. Or like First John, um, you know, if, if we ask for anything in accordance with his will. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's this wide open invitation. Um but I, I think sometimes because we have a narrative of not now and not yet, but now, please. Yeah. You yeah. know, it actually we interact with prayer in a way that we constantly keep discouraging ourselves and bumming ourselves out about it. And so we do end up praying these kind of insipid prayers where if God answered them, we wouldn't actually be able to tell. Because you think about that, like, God, right. I just pray this pers- for this right. person that you'd have your way. Right. Well, well like, that how's that person like? going to yeah. wake up the next day and know whether God answered the prayer or not? You know, yeah, I think we get tripped up on the black and white of it. It's either he's either healing or he's not. It's either the kingdom of God right now or the kingdom of God not yet. Um, what what camp are we in? And we really kind of get is it one way or is it the other? <clears throat> and the reality is that it's yes and it's both and. It's like we we have to sit in this reality that because that the kingdom of God is right now, wherever, as if you are listening to this and you are a spirit filled follower of Jesus, then wherever you go, the kingdom of God is present with you. There's just a certain aspect as the Holy spirit inside of you, it's, it's alive and it's dwelling. And there's a certain amount that when you walk into a space, you're bringing the spirit with you when you go into places. But there's also the reality that we live in a not yet time where there's tension and there's pain and there's hurting. And so we have to be okay with the both. And that's a really hard place to sit on. And I don't know how hyped everybody is on the Enneagram anymore. It's a kind of a fad that goes in and out, right, at different times. But anyway, I'm, I'm totally a seven. And if you know anything about that, that means that I'm not a fan of pain or conflict. And I do everything so much to avoid it. And I've had to learn in my life when to just sit in the pain. And oh, man, it's so uncomfortable for me and I don't think anybody enjoys it but mm-hmm. I just am so averse like like how can I fix it how can I fix it um that I think that Jesus has been taking me through a journey of being okay to just to just sit and to stare at it and to recognize that um the silence is sometimes okay and 
and sitting in the moments with a hurting loved one, it's okay if I don't have a solution for them. Um, or, or talking with somebody about why isn't Jesus answering this prayer? Like, I don't, I don't know, but we're going to sit together and we're going to bring it back yeah. to the Father. And having space in your like narrative and your emotions and things for a range um of responses you know so um you know if you pray for someone and they're not radically healed if there's a bit of your soul that's just going to go like uh cannot compute right like i just need to like it's created this sort of cognitive dissonance in you then yeah that's you're going to end up not praying as much um as a just a (laughs) self-protection mechanism for your own sanity um but if you are happy, not happy, that's the wrong word, but if you have a like a realism about inhabiting a world where A, God doesn't always get like things the way he wants them because sometimes people sin or hurt. Um, there's a whole range of other things out here as well. and But it's just, a, it's a world that contains yeah. mess and sometimes people don't get healed sometimes there's pain sometimes actually enduring the loss and the pain is going to be a part of the story but it's possible that god can show up mm-hmm. you know and and if when god doesn't show up isn't if it doesn't create these cannot compute moments for you then actually like how are you going to find out if god can show up in this p- moment yeah well by praying yeah and seeing what he does but I think so often we live in this different storyline where, where, well, if I pray to find out, I risk cognitive dissonance. I risk disappointment. I risk, yep. you know, confusion. Yep. So therefore, I want to find out by like, will a theologian tell me if God wants to heal this person? Because if I know for sure he is going to do what I expect, then I'll pray for it. Right. And it's like, well, that's, I don't know. I mean, that's not really asking. No, and, and I think the <laughs> other thing here, we have to hit on this before we're done here. We have to hit on this idea of the will of God because so many conversations like, well, I don't know what the will of God is. I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I don't know what the will of God is for you fill in the blank. And I've this is another area that I just feel like we often, and I, when I say we, I, I really do mean we, me, you. I think, I think the big C church in a whole, especially in our Western culture, has really missed this on some aspects. But when we talk about the will of God, usually we're talking about it in the context of a situation or a circumstance. For example, where should I work? What job should I take? What's, what's God's will for me? Where should I live? Should I, should I go to school here? Or should I go to school here? Should I, should I live here? Or should I live here? What's God's will for me? And while for sure there's times when God specifically calls people to location and specifically calls people to vocation, um, I also think that we can tend to over-spiritualize all those decisions so much. And when you actually look at the will of God, I think it's much more um, general, if that's the right word, than we think. Because I would argue, and Richard, maybe you can like correct me on this theologically. If I'm totally off here, correct me. But I would actually argue that the will of God is as simple as when humans live a life that's pleasing um, to God that brings him pleasure and that glorifies him. Is that too simple? Yeah, with the twist of as partners. As partners. So part of like part of good production in the world or evil production world lies with God's choices, but part of it lies with ours. Yeah. And maybe even spiritual beings. Yeah. As well. Yeah. So so it's um, so if you look at that con, if so if that's a definition we're going to run with, where it's like a, it, maybe it's like when humans in partnership with God live a life that's that's brings Him pleasure and glory, um, something along those lines. I got I haven't written it down, but something along those lines. Well, then your circumstance and situation is important, but can you bring God glory and can you live a life that's pleasing to Him, whether you go to Portland State or whether you go to Multnomah Christian? Like absolutely, you can. Does it matter the job necessarily? Not not as much where as it matters how are you living your life as as image bearers of God. And so when yeah. you think about that being the will of God and praying, God, your will be done. Well, his will is that we would live in a way that pleases him and brings him glory. Yeah, and sometimes we 
I mean, it can come from like a high view of God's sovereignty and things like this, but we kind of tell tell a story that where we don't actually want to take responsibility. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we're like, well, God, you're in control of the whole world. And I just want to know, like, what kind of porn do you want me to be? Where do you want me to move next? What do you want me to do next? Because yeah. I don't want to mess anything up. Right. Uh, and, and it's really interesting because if you have that view of the world, then you're looking around at all the mess and being like, well, if God's in complete control what's of the on? manifestation yeah. of all good and evil, then what the heck's going on? Is right. he not doing a good job of this? Right, right. But it actually, also, the Bible begins with humans being so invited to take responsibility and join God in the production of good yeah, and then the possibility yeah. of evil. And yeah. so God has distributed control and authority and responsibility. And, and yeah, and that kind of changes, it changes the narrative, but it changes the expectations for us oh, of yeah. like that decision about like, shall I go to Portland State or somewhere else right. it's not like well god what's your perfect plan it's like man god can i talk to you about this like mm -hmm. where like i'm gonna do this with you right where where shall we go what right. what shall we do right and god's gonna be like part of the conversation god might be like well do you want to become an engineer or a scientist right what do you want to what right. do you want and, and god might say to you like dude like, there's no way you're going to be an engineer. He calls me. Does he call you dude, too? He no, calls me dude. I'm, I'm not cool enough for God to call me a dude. <laughs> calls me dude. Hey, dude. Hey. Hey, God. But yeah, like, so he may talk to you in a way that's like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it just moves prayer and our whole relationship with God from a finding out our marching orders yeah. to a, a conversation about life. Absolutely. And I think, like any of these things, it's too... It's too dangerous maybe is the right word. I don't know. Um, it's too difficult to give one blanket statement on all of this because there's absolutely times when location is huge where he's, where he's specifically calling to a certain place, specifically calling, you No, I want you to go to Portland state. Like absolutely. Yeah. But well, it's all through the book of acts. Like right. God can do that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's but a possibility. It just doesn't need to be the, and that's the way it always has to be for absolutely everything. And, and, and sometimes, right. Sometimes his answer to you can be yes. And sometimes yeah. it can be no. And sometimes it can be, what do you want to do? Both are blessable decisions. And that's a huge thing. I think for us as followers of Jesus to recognize, is this a moment that it's that it's a that either decision we make is blessable mm -hmm. um, before God and to be able to walk kind of in that in the beauty of what it is to to live a life that pleases God and brings him glory in partnership with with doing good and I love that you brought out Genesis because it also puts responsibility on our shoulders to say that God is his will is going to be done and we can just kind of sit back and watch and he's responsible for everything good and bad and that's just the way that it runs it actually takes no takes all the responsibility off of us and it point, points at somebody else to blame when the reality is that we were created like Adam and Eve in the garden to be a part of what God is doing to bring good. I think we talked about this at the last, last podcast to tame the wild. Mm. And we have a beautiful opportunity to do that. Now, how we got here after talking about, yeah. after talking about why does sometimes God not answer prayer? It all for sure kind of messes in there. But, um, I think the, at the it's end just, of the it, it creates a sort of open handedness. But yeah, I it, like what sort of God inhabited world do we actually live in? Yeah. You know, like yeah. think even the garden, right? Yeah. Next thing that happens, you know, they leave the garden, someone's murdering someone, and right. God rocks up. Right. And you're like, why didn't God rock up half an hour earlier? Right. Couldn't you have stopped this? Couldn't you have prevented that? You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's. Um, it's kind of interesting. There's a huge literature on this. Um, I have a like a tentatively held thesis. Okay. That whenever, like whenever our expectation of something we're praying for is not met, there's always a reason God has for that. Hmm. That it's never. I don't think it's ever like God's like not powerful enough or not wise enough or was surprised by it or things right. like that. Um, or missed it. Yeah, or missed it. Yeah. But I think, you know, sometimes God's like, oh, I'm going to use that. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to, you know. Mm -hmm. But those are all just versions of somehow it'll work out for the good. Right. I think, though, the universe we actually inhabit is one where God's like, I've distributed responsibility and authority, and it's gone wrong. Yeah. And this universe needs to know that it's gone wrong. So I'm not going to keep rocking up 
to stop Cain killing Abel. Like sometimes mm. for us to realize the kind of state we're in, this world needs to be that way. And, yeah. you know, and, and so part of my expectation has to be like sometimes God reason for not healing that person or not stopping that harm is, is just, well, I'm not going to stop it all. Hmm. Hmm. And, and and we don't have like epistemic access to know why. Yeah. But Paul bumped and and here's the little bit of hope in that. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so that doesn't mean like, oh well God never intervenes, so right. I I won't bother praying. Right. But it does mean I'm gonna pray knowing God can. Yeah. And expect like, well, God, I know you can, so I'm gonna ask you to do this. Yeah. Well, but I mean, but but if you don't, I'm gonna be yeah. like, huh. Well, I wonder why that is. And Paul bumped into that. And God taught, and God, I don't think God always does this, but I think the invitation is there as like, this is a thing you can do, is ask God, why? Mm. And God might actually tell you, mm. which no, he did so with Paul. Good. You know, yeah. imagine how that changed the game for Paul to be like, I've got an enduring illness, and I know but why. I know why. Yeah. And it's like, I, I just wonder if we prayed that prayer more often. Mm whether our level of angst about unanswered prayer would go down. Oh, that's really interesting. You know? Like, God, I don't, I, I, I hear, I don't, I don't seem to hear you. It seems that you're silent. It seems that the answer is no. Why? Yeah. Why? And just sit and listen. Yeah. I think there's something really beautiful for that. Yeah. And actually, that's a really good example. And that one especially is one to invite other people to pray with oh, you. Oh, yeah. Because if you're feeling the silent treatment, maybe there's something going on in your soul where there's some noise or interference that's just making it really hard for you to hear and someone else might be able to help. Yeah, a while ago we had, well, several years ago now, but I'll never forget this moment. We had, uh, remember when Ruth Weller came out and taught for some of the first mm. times at Westside about um, kind of some prayer and listening prayer and stuff and really helping us as a church step deeper into what it actually looks like to have a back and forth conversation with Jesus, which has been fabulous. But I remember her like going from the very basics of this is what it might look like. And she asked for a volunteer so she could like show people what it was like. Yeah. And so I like volunteered. I'm like, shoot, any chance for somebody to pray for me? Like, let's go. So I sat like, up there. What's the worst that can happen? I know, here? what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> so I sat up there and she's like, well, usually I just start. And she's talking to everybody. There's probably like 30 people in the crowd. She's like, usually I just start by listening. And so she just literally prayed, Jesus, is there anything that you want to speak over Weston? But she said it with a really cool Scottish accent, which is way <laughs> better than what I can do. And she sat there for a few minutes. And then when she opened her mouth, she's like, Weston, I just feel like God wants to say. And then what she told me was actually an answer to that very prayer that I had been asking God about for the last several weeks. And she had no way of knowing it. Mm. And God, why? Like, why? Like, why is this thing going on? And she's like, God, or Weston, I feel like God's wanting to say, blah. And I just was, it just floored me. In a moment of her trying to teach and train other people, she had just left space for Jesus to speak and mm-hmm. literally listened. And then as she felt impressed and it wasn't a major life altering, changing thing, but for me it was. And so when I got, when she got done, I think I stood up and I said, thank you, Ruth. And I had tears in my eyes and she was, I think genuinely surprised like, Oh, Oh wow. Like awesome. Yeah. Um, but I just will never forget. It was because we took the time to listen. God, what is it that you're wanting to say? And yeah. that bringing somebody else and inviting somebody else in is huge. Yeah. And there may be those moments where we get answers, but there also might be moments when we don't. I remember having this conversation with um, Chandler, my oldest, he's 14. I was like, I was just trying to break it down in a way that could help make sense. And I'm like, but let's say that in the Bible, let's say that there's a verse somewhere in the Bible that actually says for every 1000 prayers that you pray, one of them will be answered. And that's like a known fact. Like, you know, that if you pray a thousand times, one will be answered. What would that do for for the amount of time that you pray? And then he was, well, obviously he's like, well, I would guess I'd pray more. It's like, well, yeah. And our ratio is way better than that. Yeah. Like, no, it doesn't say that in the Bible. But when you call out on the name in the name of Jesus and you call out and ask for very specific things, his ratio of answering and responding in a way that brings him glory is way better than one in a thousand. But when we put it in those sort of figures, it's like, well, if we knew it was hard facts, we would do it way more, but, but it is, you know? And so I think for us, it's a challenge. Like 
Yeah, I don't I, I don't get to tell you why sometimes God answers prayer and why he doesn't sometimes beyond the kingdom of God being now and not yet. But I can tell you is what he's been telling me. And let's not be the filter for the Holy Spirit to work or not. Let's give opportunity and space as much as we possibly can for him to step in. And for any situation and opportunity that we're going through, whether it be we feel it's big or small or whatever it is, we lay it at his feet, hands open, saying, Jesus, would you show up in very, very specific ways and then write it down so that when he answers, you know. Yeah. And even... I mean, we've discussed just like second half of the podcast here. We feel like we focused on more like mitigating reasons God may have that like <laughs> are like oh it feels like a bad response to your prayer, yeah. but actually maybe yeah. you know we can take the yeah. edge off it, you know. Yeah. But you add up all those reasons, it doesn't lead to an experience of God, the world, and prayer that's like oh it's all good. Mm-hmm. The world right. is not yet. And so we are going to encounter not yetness in mm-hmm. our relationship with God, self, the world, Absolutely. prayer, all these things. But even in the harshest of not yet, where God's like, uh, you know, we can't see God turning it around, using it for good, redeeming it. Right. Like, still, the Bible is replete with examples of God in those situations being like, yeah, but I'm still here in this. Like, I will protest with you, lament with you, yeah. comfort you, point to future hope. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even in those places, it's not that God's absent. Even in those places, the creator of the universe is with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And there's a little bit of like, I, I just think the emotions of it are really hard because it would be easy for like right side, is that the rational part or whatever? Yeah. Like, the rational I'm abstract. I'm going to lean on you for all of that information. I don't know. Yeah. The, the part of your brain that's like abstract, theoretical or whatever to be like, oh, um, yeah, of course, you know, God can do what he wants. Don't be entitled. Stop whining or something, right. you know. Yeah. Um, but then there's a part of us that's like deeply feeling the disappointment or the hurt or like mm. wrestling with like, but I just want something to help with this. And, you know, and just... Yeah. Um, and I actually maybe like the Bible would be tidier if it just contained a theology of like, oh no, like everything's good. It's all fine. God's always got a reason for it. (laughs) Like, don't worry, don't sweat it. But the Bible, the reason it's hard to have that perspective biblically is because it's not there. Yeah. And actually that's really good because that actually means the word of God, like the the way God presents himself to us Mm -hmm. is as someone who can inhabit the confusing messy spaces with us um yeah you know and and that's you know unless we were going to want to inhabit a world full of pawns where god was in control of everything but there wasn't really much good about it maybe that's the best we can hope for maybe that's that's not realism born of cynicism but realism born of just Hmm. yeah like okay that's the journey we're on because lest we forget you know, the not yet is a way of labeling, oh, you know, we haven't arrived. Yeah. But we are on a journey to arriving. Right. Like one day, right. every tear will be wiped yeah. away. And so we, that's the interesting part of this as well is in the background to all of our present wrestlings is knowing that one day, though, we'll know all the reasons, we'll understand everything. Right. And yeah, and God has done the work. He's just, he's getting us there. Right, the tension of the now and the not yet, we have to live in for now. Yes. But not for It's always. a temporariness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And sometimes the temporariness might be like, oh, till I'm 70 and I die. Right. But that's Still not the temporary. end of your story. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, but, and, and that's the thing, like I think God doesn't just give like a pat, simplistic, mm-hmm. oh, why you can why Paul? Why are you complaining about having enduring illness? Like you'll be in heaven one day, and I'll wipe away every day. Right. Because it's hard to bear that. Yeah. So God doesn't give the simplistic yeah. sort of responses. So I, so I love even the way the Bible deals with these issues in a complicated way. Is there's a healthiness to it? Yeah. 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 It's so good. 
All right. Well, I think that's enough. Um, that's, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, we've we've dealt with that. Clearly, that's all solved. No, it's really <laughs> not. What you've done is you've listened to me and Western wrestle with it, and it really yep. is. This is this is a. I mean, you can think you've wrapped your head around it. You've got a good perspective, and then like you'll bump into one. Oh, can I pray? How shall I pray? Or yeah. what's going on with? How do I comfort someone? Like yeah. you'll constantly bump into needing to wrestle with this sort of stuff again yeah. uh, what you listen in on is richard and i like on the regular we have these sort of conversations they're just rarely recorded yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just so yeah. usually come and say richard what do you think about and then he tells yep. me his thoughts and then we this go from there just life yep. so there we go so but i hope there's encouragement in there for you keep thinking about it keep praying um and then actually next week uh, another recording with shelby yeah. and actually her wrestling her perspective will be so really good. insightful as well and uh, yeah, we'll catch you soon. God bless everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.